So guys, this summer we are going to be studying the book of James, and I wanted to give a quick introduction here before our speaker comes up for today. Um, but we are going to do be, being doing, we're going to, we are going to do something different this summer in that we're going to have a number of different people teaching through the book of James, um, and part of that is because, you know, I'm going to Slovenia on the trip and a couple different trips, but the other part of that is that we want to give opportunities to um, raise up men in our uh congregation to be teachers of God's word, and so this is an opportunity for them to do that, okay? And so we've got a couple of them here this morning, okay? So this morning you guys turn around Daryl uh, third. you can call him Trey. Trey is going to be <laughs> teaching today. No, I'm just kidding, don't call him that. Um, he is actually in our uh, training program, um, ministry training program, and part of that is growing in the skill of teaching, and so... We're really helping him by letting him teach here, right? Um, giving him opportunities to uh, work on this um, skill, this craft. Um, and so he's going to be leading us today, and he's going to be doing that a number of times through the summer. But we also have Jeff Goodman in the back here, and Jeff is going to be teaching a couple times as well. You guys know Jeff is uh, over the sports ministry here at Grace, um, and his wife Ellen is here with us today. Um, so we're thankful for you guys. And then we're also going to have Josh Kloss, uh, who you guys should recognize. He's here more regularly. Um, he's going to be teaching a couple times. And then also uh, Tommy Ansel is going to be teaching a couple times, okay, who's not here. He's in Kurdos, okay? Um, but that's kind of the lineup of people who you're going to see up here over the course of the summer. And for the summer, we're going to be studying the book of James. And it's a really sweet book. It's got a lot of wisdom and practical um, application in it. And we're going to be really trying to drill down in it, so not just on Sundays, but you saw also on Wednesdays for our middle school and high school gatherings. We're going to just take the passage that we learned about on Sunday and sit with it and read it again and just ask questions and how do we apply this and discuss it. Um, And so that's kind of the big idea. And one of the things we said was we were challenging uh, one another to both read the book of James, but also to start memorizing the book of James. I'm wondering if anybody started doing that this week. Anybody start... Okay, first of all, I won't make you do anything if you raise your hand. Okay, so anybody kind of start working on it? Okay, so Grace, awesome. Okay, all right. Anybody know what James 1.1 1, 1 says off the top of their head? Well, I memorized it a long time ago. So, James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes, tribes that are scattered abroad, greeting. Awesome, okay. So that's what we started with last, um, last week. We just kind of did an introduction to the book. And we said that the theme of our book is faith that works, okay, faith that works, and and that we have two kind of meanings for that. Number one, it means that when you have genuine faith in Christ, it ought to do something. You ought to be compelled to do something, to work, to um, be active in what you do with your faith. It's not a private, personal thing that you just kind of keep locked inside and nobody ever sees or nobody ever knows about it. The other thing is it, it means faith that works in the sense that There are people who think that they have faith, but it doesn't really do anything for them. It's not going to save them because it's not a genuine faith. And so a genuine faith is a faith that works, the one that will save you. And a genuine faith that saves you is a faith that works. It's one that does something, okay? So it all kind of circular logic there. Um, So without any further ado, I'm going to have Daryl come up, and he's going to lead us this morning in the Word. Um, And so give him your attention. Open up to the book of James as he's coming up. Ooh, this is cool. There's like, it's like a little ocean on the 
the screen. Yes. That's kind of cool. Ah, <laughs> uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> you know, I actually had a lot of nicknames in high school. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm that, I was that kid that everybody liked to make up nicknames for um, because I was quiet a lot. Which is, that's one thing. Um, <laughs> that was not one of them, thank God. <laughs> um, yeah, so you guys are open to James. Um, let's uh, pray first, um, and then we'll, we'll work through this. So pray with me. Um, well, Father in heaven, we um, can do nothing apart from the work of your Holy Spirit, the inspiration that you bring um, we thank you for your word and um, for what it has to speak to us. Thank you for your servant, James, um, whose words have um, charged and challenged um, Christians throughout the centuries and um, continue to do so. Um, I pray that you would um, charge and challenge us today um, in a way that is good and right um, and uh, life-giving. Um, I pray that both now and throughout this series um, that we would find that an, an enriching task to look at your word. Um, be with us this morning now and be teaching us um, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, yes, it is helpful for me to be teaching. Um, if anything, um, probably the, the best advice I've ever learned or heard when it comes to teaching God's word is that um, God spoke through Balaam's donkey, and he's speaking through donkeys still. <laughs> so if God chooses to speak through you, don't think too highly of yourself. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I just really like that story. Um, so when I was in high school, our, uh, our, our distance coach in track um, liked to do this little exercise with us, especially with the freshmen. This was his favorite thing to do. Um, on certain days of the week, we would do what's called interval training. Do you guys know what that is? Some, I mean, some of you are runners, but um, what we would do, it, that basically means for those who are not familiar with it, um, we're given a specific distance to run, like 400 meters or one lap usually. And, and we're do, the goal is to do about 10 to 12 of those within, and each one of them has to be within a certain time limit, so like a minute 10 seconds, a minute 15 seconds. Um, and then you get a short rest in between, and then you go at it again, and you do it again and again and again. And the goal is um, to get your bodies comfortable with a certain pace, especially as you're getting tired, right, to, to keep going at that pace, um, to press yourselves, to exceed that um, as your legs get weak and as you start to see things in double. <laughs> um, so that was always the plan. The plan was to do that and then to cool down and be done for the day. Thank God. Um, but very, very early in our, in our high school track careers, we learned that this was not always the full plan of uh, Coach Kuntz. Um, I still love that man, um, but I hated him at the time. Uh, as we would finish the final interval, that 10 or 12, 12th interval, um, everybody who had been holding back the whole time would finally surge. They would expend all the energy they had not been wasting. Um, uh, throughout the workout, and it was at that moment as we stood there panting, we're sweating, we're thinking we're done, Coach Kuntz would say, now, wait a second, 
<laughs> I'm going to give you the opportunity of an optional interval. And of course, we all knew what that meant, that meant get back on the line because you're not done yet. <laughs> um, and he would just say optional interval if it, as if it was some kind of gift for us to receive. Um, and we all groaned and hissed, but of course, we, you know, we stepped back up to the line because um, none of us was going to look weak or um, look like we were uh, going to be that guy. Um, so one optional interval usually turned into three or four, five more. Um, and he always did that. And for some reason, it always took us by surprise. Um, as if <laughs> he wasn't going to do it this time. Uh, probably because we were just naive little freshmen. Um, all the other people who aren't freshmen know what I'm talking about. Um, now, this was awful, especially on those really hot mid-spring afternoons. Um, but then when it came to competition, when it came to actually racing, um, we marveled. That's probably the best word to describe. Um, and other people marveled at how resilient the Wheaton Rumble South team was. Um, for the years I was there, anyway, um, we were always near the front. Um, and there were few people that could stand up to our distance squad, um, both in the county and even in the state for many years. Um, we still were one of the four, best 4 by 8 teams to state every single year. Um, and while I can't say for sure, I have to believe that a lot of that traced back to this training that Coach did when we were freshmen, where all of a sudden he takes you by surprise at the end of the workout and you're doing three, four, five more than you thought you were going to be able to do at the beginning of the workout. Um, or at least that you weren't expecting. Um, and it wasn't just that he was intentionally breaking us so that we would be fast but resilient, um, so that we would be steadfast, to use the word that James uses here um, at the beginning of the book, uh, able to press through pain and actually even enjoy it. That's the, that was the goal. Um, he often called it embracing the beast, and that was the, the phrase that we would often use um, during those times. It was one of those things where when you're about to throw up, you turn around as the next group behind you is going, you say, oh, embrace the beast <laughs> as they're running by you. <laughs> uh, that, that just, it was just, it was part of our, part of our lingo, it was part of our life um, after that. So my question to you as we're starting this morning, has, have you ever had somebody do that to you uh, where they press you beyond your limit? Um, it doesn't have to be athletics. That's where it often happened for me. Um, but I just want to hear um, where else you where else do you get that? Um, and if it is in athletics, that's fine as well. Um, but yeah, if someone presses you beyond, yeah, school. School? How in school? Where? Where specifically? What's the subject in school? Probably math. Math. You know, when it's like one of those night <laughs> and Legos at home. Yeah. It's like, I can't do it, I don't understand, I'm like crying all over the place. Like, yeah. I was like, yes, you can, you're smart, you're a boy. <laughs> smart and young, yeah. Eventually I would get it, but like, you don't think you can get it, it's too hard. Yeah. And finally, after trying over and over again, you eventually do get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good example. Definitely. Math was one for me as well. Geometry specifically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at, at work for me, um, yeah. I remember my uncle telling me years ago, um, sales, you know, it's like <coughs> when you want to be done making phone calls, just call it one, one more. One more. Call yeah. one more. Yep. And I remember it was like a week after he told me that for the first time, and I was done, and I was like, I just one more. And it was like, 
my most productive call of the week. Like, right, it got me fired up to, you know, yeah. keep making that extra call. Yeah. 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 Taking care of the kids sometimes it's, you know, like you're like, oh, we're almost to nap time. We're about to we're go. almost there. Wherever. And then, like, some catastrophe happens. Yep. No, you don't. Of course you don't want to, but, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, those are important things, um, and they're key. Um, and James, uh, throughout this passage, um, speaks like a coach or like a teacher or like a um, mentor um, in, that, in, that, in this specific opening here. Um, he's like that wise and humble old man who always knows what to say, and always has a one-liner that perfectly applies to every given circumstance you, you face that's like that. Um, he functions here much like when I read this, I started to hear my coach, again, embrace the beast, embrace the beast. Um, and um, that's, anyway, all that to say, that's, that's similar to what James is doing here um, in this passage. Um, so there are probably many ways to study and understand uh, James chapter 1, but today what we're going to do is we're going to take verses 2 through 4, um, and we're going to use those like glasses to look at the rest of the passage. Um, and I think the rest of the passage, there's a lot of phrases that might look confusing at first, um, but if we look at it within the glasses of verses 2 through 4, I think they become a lot clearer um, for us to understand. So, um, I'm going to have somebody read verses 2 through 4. Um, sorry, I don't know half of your names now. Um, what's your name? Yeah. Do you mind reading verses 2 through 4? Sure. Yeah. So in verses 2 through 4, we get three main ideas. Oh, do you? You got me? Okay, thanks. Um, first is just counted a joy or privilege to face trials. Um, and next would be trials test our faith, and then testing. Then that testing produces steadfastness. So those are the, the, the three main things that we get, the three things to pull out of that, verses 2 through 4, um, this logical progression that, that James has that, it's assumed that we know that trials are there to test our faith um, and that testing produces steadfastness and that that's why we should count it joy when we face those trials, when we face those hard things. Um, so I want to hear now just what do you, when you hear the word trials, what comes to your mind immediately? Um, what do you think of? Yeah. I, sorry, I just saw you. <laughs> <laughs> Having a time trial? Yeah. Yeah. Another running lingo. <laughs> yeah. If that is, yeah. So you think of like a, um, 
that's a specific definition of trial. What else? Court. What's that? Court. Court trial, yeah. Yeah. That's what first comes to mind. Yeah. No, I would say no, no answer here is wrong when it comes to trials either. There's a lot of different things that we can define as trials. Um, a lot of things we don't think of right away. Difficult people. Difficult people, yeah. Something hard. Something hard, yeah. What's hard? What would you, what would you say one thing in your life that, that you would think is hard? Eating two pizzas. Eating two pizzas is hard? <laughs> <laughs> For some people, eating two pizzas isn't hard at all. <laughs> That is definitely counting it joy in the midst of a trial. <laughs> so, um, believe it or not, I used to be in high school and middle school one time. Not hard to believe in him. Some people would say it's not hard to believe that Nick was once in high school and middle school. He still kind of, kind of looks like maybe. I don't. Know, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> That's maybe what I was saying. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I remember what was hard for me in high school um, uh, was taking what my parents taught me and expected of me and then taking what my friends expected of me and perfectly meeting both of those so that either I didn't feel guilty in front of my parents and I didn't feel stupid in front of my friends. Um, I really found it hard to interact with, um, with my friends without swearing um, without just swimming through dirty and obscene jokes, um, without slandering people that weren't like us, um, or being, and just being unkind, really, to anybody that um, was less cool than we were, or just um, didn't have the same, I don't know what it was, um, but um, either skill set or, or um, just character than, than what we did, um, and I found it really hard to keep my mind and my heart pure of both attitudes and images that I knew were wrong, um, and maybe, maybe you can relate to those trials, too. Um, those were just the ones that I thought of right away. Maybe you have other trials and struggles that come to mind immediately um, that aren't maybe the same as mine, but they're just as real, um, they're just as present, just as hard. So now, steadfastness. That's the next word that I'd like us to define here. Um, what is steadfastness? Uh, what, 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 when you hear the word steadfast, um, what does that make you think of? Or even other words that, um, when you think of steadfastness, those two kind of pair in your mind. Um, yeah? Basically holding strong. Holding strong. Yeah, that's a good, way, that's a good one to, yeah. It's a good way of saying it. And there's others too, so don't don't think that Caleb just nailed it. <laughs> Holding strong. Yeah. Perseverance. Perseverance. Yep. That's another another good one. Yeah. Constant. Constant. Yep. Yep. It's another another good um, another good word to pair that with. Um, so now here this, this great encouragement that James gives us is that this is why we can be joyful um, that all of the tension and the messiness that you have to fight through like that like, I, like what I was fighting through at that age um, all of that tension and messiness 
to do what you know is right, um, to obey God, to be steadfast in your trial, that's not hopeless. Um, Really what that trial is doing is making you resilient. It's making you better at being constant, at holding strong. Um, at um, being resilient was one, was one word that, that came to mind for me. Um, uh, it's making you able to endure, um, to go on with hope, as another place calls it, um, another translation of the scriptures. Um, so that usually that would either make me feel angry or guilty, one of the two, right? Um, uh, dealing with those, with those tensions in my own life. Um, that I either had to do what was right and be frustrated or do what was wrong and feel guilty. Um, but what James says is count it joy when you're in that tension. Because what's being worked out in you is far better than what's happening in that moment. Um, so, for example, those, those optional intervals, um, that's just a picture to use right now, but those optional intervals in track drove me personally to be one of the best runners on my cross-country and track team. Um, They brought me joy because I raced better. Uh, Running a mile or two miles or three miles as fast as I could became easier, became more fun even. I actually looked forward to those, you know. Um, I hated workouts, but the the races were so much more fun, um, so much more to look forward to. Even racing in, in 100% humidity or sub-zero temperatures at times um, was not so challenging anymore because I had been already starting to be challenged to become more resilient, right? More steadfast, more, more patient through my pain, um, through physical pain. And winning the prize was the goal, right? Winning a medal, winning a PR for myself, a personal record for myself, um, even just general distinction, um, of some sort. That, that was the goal. That was the prize. That was what we pressed on to. Um, it was the, the smile at the end of those four to five um, extra intervals where coach would say, all right, good job, guys. That's what it was on workout day anyway. Um, and this is similar to what it looks like and feels like when we choose following Jesus in middle school and high school. Um, James promises that in the end we will grow perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what he says in verses, verse 4. Um, and that we receive, and later he says, we receive the crown of life that God gives at the end of all time. Um, so now, um, what we're, what we're going to work through now, this is going to be how we kind of just look at the rest of the passage, um, is what does the steadfast person do? Um, that's the, the next question we have here. And we'll just look at each little chunk here. Um, you probably have it broken up into paragraphs like this in your Bible, where it goes 5 through 8, 9 through 11, 12 to 15, um, and then whatever comes after that, 16 to 18. Um, so um, I'm going to ask Joseph to read verses 5 through 8 for us. Because life, a flower of the grass, he will pass it away. 
also of a rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits? Oh, sorry. Uh, just five to eight. I didn't realize that. Sorry. I wasn't watching. <laughs> I wasn't reading along as you were reading. <laughs> um, but five through eight, anyway, where we end with a uh, double-minded man, um, unstable in all his ways. That's kind of the section we're looking at here. I think it's really helpful, really refreshing, encouraging for me anyway, um, that when we re- after we read, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, James immediately says, now if any of you lacks wisdom. Because <laughs> um, when, as, as we get to that, that tension, right, we, we always find that we're lacking something. Um, and what James says here is, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. Um, now you might have an idea of what reproach means, but reproach basically... Um, for, for God to give us something without reproach, um, what that's saying is when you come to God for help and when you come to him in faith, he doesn't shame you for coming to him. He's not like a nagging parent who, when you come to them for help, they don't just say, well, what you really should have done the whole time is this. <laughs> and, I, and I think James actually needs to remind us of that and tell us that because for some reason we tend to think of God like that. We tend to, tend to think of him as being, being apart from our lives. He's, he's up there in heaven I have to work it out here on earth, and he has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now. Um, but guys, it's not true. And like we were reading in our catechism this morning, um, uh, that God doesn't always answer prayer right away. Um, but what is that? That prayer said, teach me to be, I think it was, teach me to endure or something. It was something like that. I, didn't, I don't remember what it was. But um, when you don't answer right away, um, uh, that was a uh, that was a really interesting tie-in to what we're talking about here. But um, God is God does not hold out on us because we messed up the first time, and He doesn't shame us when we come to Him and ask Him for help in the middle of something. Um, and that's why we don't we don't need to doubt when we pray. Remember that you're talking to the God of the universe, who made the earth and He made the sky and He made the green grass and He made the de- delicious fruit of the earth. Um, and he makes you and me. He makes all the good things that we enjoy. And he's king over all of those good things. And he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. I'm pretty sure all of that sums up to someone who, who gives generously without reproach. I'm pretty sure that's someone who doesn't shame me when I come to him. You know, that when you read the scriptures, that's the case. Um, that that's what we find. Um, and when you come to him in faith and you pray and you trust yourself into him, you pour your heart out to him, like Nick was saying, right, this morning. Um, that he's a loving father who hears you and says, yes, I hear you, and this is what you need. Or in the middle of it says, no, wait, just hold on. Just sit in that tension a little bit longer because you are being produced to be stronger, to hold fast, to be constant, to be steadfast. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to share this example or not, but um, in my own life, uh, I, I often have found it difficult um, to rejoice, to fight through times of, to, of melancholy or depression, to just, it's easy to just turn inward, um, to pity myself, to dwell upon my failures. Um, and it was something that, that I couldn't even recognize when I was your guys' age. And I, the only reason I'm using this example is because I can't think of one when I was in high school. <laughs> but, um, but this, this, it was only 
after I got out of high school that I was actually able to define that as the struggle. Um, and in praying and in seeking the Lord for strength, for peace, um, for assurance, um, he provided immeasurably more than I could have asked or imagined. Um, like what we find in that, at the end of that, of that prayer um, that we had up on the screen earlier, um, where God's ways are higher than our ways. He sees things greater than um, we can see them. Um, God provided a joyful and inspir- a spirited <laughs> um, and an encouraging wife. Um, and you guys, I, I'm not telling you that when you pray, you're just going to get a, a, a wife or a husband, like, especially right now. <laughs> um, but that's just one place where God has done that for me. Um, and he provides incredibly more than I could have asked or imagined in one year, one and a half years of marriage, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, uh, so in your trial, pray without doubting. Pray knowing that God hears you when you pray. Pray knowing that he's seeking to give you more of that constancy, more of that ability to stand firm, um, more of that ability to to hold strong, right, in the midst of of what you're doing. Um, So pray without doubting. Anyway, moving on to the next next thing here. Um, Boast, uh, the the person who is steadfast, boasts in his weakness, which is a can be a weird phrase. You mean, what is that talking about? Um, just to read it back again, um, verse 9 through 11 says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away, for the sun rises with its scorching heat, withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. All that James is saying here um, is that we are weak, and we need to remember that we're weak. And that there is nothing that can buy God's favor for us. There's nothing that can buy those good gifts that he gives generously. Um, uh, we may be rich in any number of ways. We may be rich in good looks. Um, we may be rich in um, great athletic ability or even just a natural desire to persevere already. Some of us are built in, have that built into us. Um, but trials are helpful in remembering, reminding us that... Um, that we are weak, and with what trials do not cover, we just need to keep remembering that we're weak. Um, and I, I think that's why James immediately goes into that next. Um, so, otherwise, if we're not weak, um, ironically, we we great we are greatly incomplete, <laughs> um, and we especially lack the greatest gift of all that that crown of life at the end of um, of, of all time that God gives to those who persevere, like it says in verse 12 to, 12 to 15. So the next one here, um, verses 12 to 15, the, the thing that the steadfast person does, they, they call sin what it is, and they press on to that crown of life. Um, so I'll read this one too. Uh, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is being tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So this is just a helpful clarification then, because um, 
we, when we trust that God is producing steadfastness within us, right, through trials, we may be tempted to believe that he's the one that's tempting me right now, that God is the one that, that is tempting me into sin, but that's not true. <laughs> um, and James says it very plainly. We don't need to worry about that. Um, uh, but what is, just, what is James actually saying is that we, we are the ones that have sin within us, right? That desire to sin already dwells within us. We don't need to go looking for that anywhere else. Um, and it is not God that is tempting us. Um, so what is God doing? Um, God, is, God is working on my behalf for my good, for my salvation through those things, right? Um, so just think, for example, um, you guys were going through Genesis recently, I think, or was it within the past year? You kind of... Or was it last summer? Okay. Well, anyway, a summer ago, <laughs> uh, the Genesis account of Joseph's life, um, right? God did not tempt Joseph's brothers to betray him and sell him into slavery. Joseph's brothers, like us, were broken, right? They're easily tempted into evil by the sinful desires that are in them. Um, but Joseph, right at the very end of the story, it all comes together because um, Joseph makes it clear for us as he says, as for me, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Um, and uh, this is just a, another, another quote that helps us to keep that, to keep that idea straight in our heads. Um, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, John Newton, um, he was a slave trader that God bring to salvation, and then he became a pastor um, of a church, the most unlikely pastor you'll ever meet, somebody that was a slave trader in the 17th century. Um, but he says, I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great savior. Um, and that's that's helpful, helpful kind of equation in our mind to remember, or a, a helpful um, phrase that keeps this straight, that it is not God that tempts me. I am the sinner, um, but God is a great savior. Um, so the steadfast man... Right? He calls sin what it is. He, he identifies it as living within me already. God is working outside on my behalf um, for my salvation, for my good. Um, and the steadfast man confesses that. He confesses that the sin is within him. Um, and he turns to God right, in prayer. He pours his out to God, um, the God that gives grace, the God that covers his sin through, through Christ on the cross. Um, and then this steadfast man thus is pressing on to the crown of life. That's, um, that's huge in that action. Um, so with that in mind, just our final piece then that, that um, kind of closes off this part of James. The, the person who's steadfast rests in God, the God who is steadfast. Um, if you were like me, you, probably, you may get to the end of this, like, and, and of this chapter and, and still be thinking that somehow... Um, my obedience and my own steadfastness is something I work up in myself. I just have to think really hard about all the time to get it to work. Um, but if we read here, uh, we read 16 through 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift um, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Um, now, uh, that, that last little phrase can sound a little funny because we don't know what first fruits of his creatures might mean right at first. Um, but another way to say that is um, he chose us to give birth, or he chose to give birth to us 
by giving us his true word, and we out of all creation became his prized possession. That's how another translation says it. Um, but God, it, basically, God not only makes us, right? He saves us. He's doing the work through Jesus Christ on the cross, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit he puts in us when we pray, when we pray for strength, for ability to be steadfast, and he treasures us. He's our father of lights. There's no variation or shadow, as it says here, due to change. Um, basically, God is steadfast, and he's making us steadfast through these trials that plague us on the outside, through the temptations to sin that we have on the inside, um, and that power to remain steadfast through it all, that comes from him. Um, he, he is doing that in us. Um, so, uh, all that, that, that gets us to the end of that, um, this portion of James, um, that verses 2 to 18 of, of, um, of this letter. Um, but I'm going to open up to you guys now again. Um, we're going to come back around here. Uh, what does this mean for you personally? What does this mean for us um, collectively maybe even? Um, obviously, you guys will be discussing this passage later this week, right? Um, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, but it's not too early to start thinking about this. Um, I don't need, we, well, I should say we don't need anything profound um, or anything embarrassing. Or, but I just want to hear... Um, what is something that this section has already left you with? Um, it could be a phrase. It could just be an idea, um, an encouragement. Um, or if you have any questions, feel free to pose those. But I want to I hear from you guys on what, what is this section already brought to you so far? I don't think, yeah, even in little things, I don't think that's a problem. Um, that, uh, um, yeah, don't expect God to just do the work for you. He's, you're the one that's on earth here, then he's working through you. But um, uh, there, there's nothing too small. There's nothing that we can just handle on our own. Um, there, that everything that, that we have is a gift from God. Your hands that you have are a gift from God. And there's nothing too small for them to do that you can't commit to him in prayer, right? Um, yeah. Getting up out of bed in the morning. Um, maybe it's, I think it's harder now than it was when I was in middle school and high school. Um, that's not too small a task to ask strength from God, steadfastness from God to get through at the beginning of the day. Yeah. Oh, I guess we don't have a lot of time. But if anybody else has something, um, speak now uh, or hold your peace until Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> I'll just quick comment, Daryl. Yeah, yeah. Just on, on God, that um, he, he gives generously, you know, um, just a reflection of who, who God is, you know, um, you know, given the crown of life, you know, promised, God has promised to those who, who love him. Um, let him ask, you know, those that, uh, if you lack wisdom, ask God to give generously. So just the character of God, you know, um, 
promises to those who love him and, and, and that he wants to give. He wants to give, yeah. Um, yeah. To us, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about this more recently, um, but especially as my little three-year-old nephew has been here, and yesterday we had this toy snake, and all he wanted to do is have me chase him. And if I gave it to him and asked him to chase me, he didn't want to do it, but he wanted me to chase him. <laughs> um, and, uh, he didn't know you were doing those optional literal. He didn't know I was doing those optional literal. <laughs> um, uh, this may not make a lot of sense right now, but um, I think we need to be more like Calvin, my nephew, um, and ask God to give graciously to me. Um, because uh, I don't think we ask him enough um, to, to, to give generously. And I don't think we trust him enough often to, to give generously. Um, like I said, you know, we, for some reason, we often think of God as some kind of nagging parent um, who will shame us when we come to him and ask him for help, and he's not. Um, not at all. So, yeah, that's helpful. Thanks for coming back to that. Um, do you uh, just pray? Okay, yeah. Um, I'll pray for us, and then you guys obviously are free to go. Um, Father in heaven, uh, thank you for your word, for... Um, especially the reminder this morning that you give generously to us without reproach, without shame, um, uh, that you um, invite us to come to you in faith. Uh, that, um, thank you for, again, your servant James, who um, has uh, given us this perspective, encouraged that into us, um, into our minds and hearts this day. Um, I pray that we would um, now go forward and continue to fight through the tension um, trusting you for strength, for producing steadfastness in us, um, for experiencing this faith that works. Um, I pray that you would keep us in uh, your will as we go forward um, this morning. Bless us in our time of worship with the whole body and um, be preparing our hearts and minds for Wednesday and Thursday when we gather to talk about this again. Um, we pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.